here on ESPN 8, The Ocho, bringing you the finest in seldom seen sports from around the globe since 1999. If it's almost a sport, we've got it here. Well, he really hit the shit out of that one, didn't he? <laughs> Like yeah, and he scrambled the son of a bitch. Look at that, he hit the fucking ball. That gets a free stink. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh yeah, I'm having a blast. Nice. Good. God, sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. Wow. Extra points. I told him. Goals at your service. One might think it comes. With glory, you might think we all feel better. And now, our featured presentation what it possibly could protect, I do not know. And here we are yet again. Lights, camera, camera action. action. Derek Ferguson and Tom DJ back again, better in, in the, the dark. dark. Straight out of Brooklyn, movie talk that you want to hear, that you love, and you've shown us the love, and we've seen it by the fact that you guys are just blowing us up all over the country, all over the world. Oh, world. Yeah, Sweden. Argentina, Peru. We love it. Thank you very much. And we're going to keep on giving it to you as long as you're going to keep on listening. <laughs> For today's episode, I'm actually dressed up today. I've got my... It wasn't a uh, throwback jersey when I first yes, bought it. Yes, he is. I'm, Tom is a guy. Y'all don't appreciate what he does for you because he's <laughs> into this thing. He's got on his sports gear yeah. for this episode because... It's about... It, it's about sports. So I got my Deion Sanders... Baltimore Ravens jersey on, and we figured we'd get a little break from all the gloom and depression of the various horror Well, not gloom and depression, but we usually talk about movies about fantasy and sword and sorcery, horror. What we're going to do, we're going to mix it up a little bit, because you know we love to mix it up a right. little bit here at Better in the Dark. Tom is a big sports fan. He's a big sports fan than I am. What we're going to do, we're going to talk about sports movies, because as a matter of fact, the very first episode of mm-hmm. Better in the Dawn yes. that we recorded was on Super Bowl Sunday. Afterwards, we went upstairs and we watched uh, and, and the we Col- watched Super Bowl because you said there was no way you were not going to watch that's the right. Super Bowl. And I said, "Well, Tom, well, that's my that's my sport. Football is my favorite of all the sports. In fact, I work in a sporting goods store right now, and my boss is always going, "Oh, it's like Christmas for you, isn't it now?" Because uh-huh. we're recording this, it's nine days to the beginning of the season. But let me ask you something, Tom. Yeah. I know you love football. Were you into sports when you were a kid? I was the only Jets fan in my neighborhood. Really? When I was a little kid. Everybody else was into the Giants. Yeah. I was so fanatical about the Jets that... We're talking about Brooklyn and, I guess, yeah, Queens this was, well, back in the 60s. This everybody was Norwood Avenue, Highland Park. Everybody was Giants fan. Right. The Jets didn't become into vogue by, like, what, the 70s, 70s, 80s? With 70s, the 80s. New York Sack Exchange. I was so fanatical about the Jets one Christmas. I must have been about, what, seven years old, seven, eight years old. I bugged my parents relentlessly. Starting in September, we saw in a catalog you could buy replica football uniforms for different famous players. And I okay. wanted my Joe Namath football uniform so badly. 
And Joe Namath was him and Jim Brown were like the first yeah. superstar well, football the player. Football is football. Yeah, they're the big superstars because you know before that you had people like Bart Starr and Johnny Unitas who were good, solid athletes. Johnny Unitas is one of the best athletes that ever played the game. Oh yeah, yeah. But they were just white, very stoic people like Namath and Jim Brown and Rosie Greer brought flash and sizzle and excitement to the game. Style. And if it wasn't for and the they crossed over into the mainstream media. Yeah. Because they appeared on Laughing, and they appeared on Mike Douglas. Let's not forget, Jim Brown went on to a very lucrative film career. Which we'll be talking about in another episode yeah. when we're talking about black exploitation okay. movies. Mm-hmm. But right now, we're talking about sports movies here. And Tom, you, let me tell you about my friend Tom. I cannot call him on Monday night. Well, you know you why? Because I don't get I don't ESPN. Club, I, can't, yeah. I can't call him on Monday nights because that's when that football yep. game's on. So if I call him, it... You get the answering machine. I get the answering machine. So what we're going to do is that we're going to talk about movies in this episode, and Tom is going to start it off. Well, wait a minute. You grilled me about my childhood memories of sports. What about you? Me? A lot of y'all don't know that, because you're listening to this and you can't see what I look like. But I'm six foot four, and I've been six foot four since I was about 14 years old. Mm -hmm. Naturally, being a black man in Brooklyn who's six foot four, everybody says, oh man, I bet you can play basketball. Actually, I'm the worst basketball player in the world. I cannot play basketball. I don't like basketball. You know why? Because I'm not a team player. I like tennis. I play tennis. Handball, oh, I kill you, handball. Give me, I will destroy you. I'm so competitive, which is what Patricia, who is my wife, Patricia, she always says, I like that about you, but I also don't like that right. about you because I want to win. I don't believe in that thing about, well... Better played, better, you know... No, when yeah. they say, well, it doesn't matter who win or lose and how you play, you play the, game. the game. Bullshit. Bullshit. Because you Ask know what? Ask is that. If that's the case, yeah. why don't we just play until everybody gets tired? Right, exactly. You have a score so you can see who wins yeah. and who loses. So, say yeah. that to George Steinbrenner. Say that to hey, yeah, Thank you. Say that to Wellington Mara, who unfortunately has passed away. Yeah. And you'll see what you get from them. Okay. Uh, me and my father, I got a love of baseball from right. my father. I love baseball. I'll go see a baseball game. As a matter of fact, me and my yeah. wife, Patricia, are going to Florida in about two weeks. And when you go there, you can see a lot of minor league teams right. play games for free. Mm-hmm. I go out here to Brooklyn. You and I have talked about going to a Cyclones game. One of these yes, days. Cyclones game. I go out there. If I'm in my backyard working, I'll take the radio out there and right. I'll listen to a Mets game. Yeah, so I love baseball more. Football, I don't see the point of. See, right. this is where me and you disagree right. at. Because, you know, Tom, I don't understand mm-hmm. this. This is a game where a man gets the ball and he runs down the field mm-hmm. and a bunch of other guys run after him and try to throw his ass to the ground. Mm-hmm. That's not a sport you know to me. Th- okay. That's a fight. You know what? <laughs> The thing is, baseball, is more like, baseball is more like chess because it requires a lot of knowledge of your of team players and putting in the right pitcher to take care of the right catcher. Well, that's probably like why that. we never played chess because I'd kill you. Okay. <laughs> Whereas, no, but to you, no, said, seriously, I, I yeah. am a good pl- chess player. Whereas football is more like, I guess, like Stratego. If you can understand that. More like a... a oh, good enough. Okay. Yeah. It's almost like it's like war over 10 yards of... Well, it is turf. war. Yeah. It is. It is. It's ritualized war. Yeah. And it's a way for men to get out their aggression. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, one thing that always really amazed me, especially in the last 10 years... Don't worry, folks. We're going to yes. get to the movie soon. I promise you. Let me get this out first. 
is how many women have gotten into football. Well, of course. It's a bunch of guys getting all grimy and dirty and having things ripped off them. Of course women are going to... Me and Patricia went to a affair that one of her good friends, mm-hmm. they have a ministry, they have a church right. thing, and a woman that was there, I was talking to her, she said, well, you got to come over to my house. I said, well, why? She said, because... I watch football, and you know. And then when I said, "Well, I'm not really into football," and she looked at me, and she really right. could not comprehend it. You know, you actually- don't like football. I, said, I like it. For instance, okay, like when you came over to right. my house, if you had to come over to my house, I wouldn't watch the Super right. Bowl. But since you came over, I watched it and with I was you. able to walk you through it, so you'd understand exactly. What's going on in the game. Yeah. That's the thing. And for all you guys listening out there, if you want me to come over to your house to watch football? I'll come. I'll bring the beer. I'll right. bring. The Buffalo Wings, but mm-hmm. you got to tell me what's going on. You do know that there is a, it's a minor league right now, but there is actually a women's football league. Get out of town. Serious as cancer. I think it's only like a, something like 10 teams right now. See, I'll watch that. It's a very strange see, game. I'll, see, I'll watch a it's bunch of women. stranger. <laughs> it's a very strange I'll game. I'll watch that. I don't think they have a New York team. I know there's one out down in Washington, the Washington Demons. They're called. I will watch that. Well, that's one of the things else that fascinates me is are all these weird minor leagues that we have throughout this country, where we have arena football, mm-hmm. arena football two. There is an indoor soccer league. Many of these aren't here in New York because these leagues pop up in the smaller population centers. But it's just a whole weird world out there. You want to hear about movies? Well, we, we got to get into the movies yes. now because we done took enough of these people time with right. our personal stuff. So let's get into more. Tom is going to go first with one of his favorite right. sports movies and then we'll do the now, usual guys, thing. We go back and right. forth. Go ahead, Tom. If you guys remember in, I think it was episode <coughs> 8, we talked about the replacements. Yeah, well, you talked about I talked it. about it. In the movies that suck that we like. One of the things I mentioned was that my biggest frustration with football movies is that most football movies have no conception of how football is played. Right. Not so with... I have visual aids again, folks. Uh, I want y'all guys to know, Tom is sitting here with me because we do these episodes in my house. And Tom is sitting here with all of the DVDs. (laughs) (laughs) He brought it with his visual aids. The Longest Yard, directed by Robert Aldrich, starring Burt Reynolds, Ed Lauder, Eddie Albert... Yeah, and yeah, Ray yeah. Nitsky. He played the warden. Didn't yes, he? he did. Yes, he, he did. The he played the We're warden. We're talking about the original here, not the remake with Adam Sandler, which we'll talk about for a few seconds after I'm done telling you about this. Well, go ahead. The Tom. thing that's interesting about these three films that I picked out is that none of them are about the major leagues. This one is about a former football quarterback who was caught gambling. He shaved some points off to relieve a debt and ended up becoming disgraced was banned from football okay he ends up getting into a serious accident and gets sent to a florida prison the warden in the florida prison played by mr albert happens to be a rabid football fan and actually owns a semi-pro team headed by his chief guard played by ed louder he comes up with this scheme first he wants burt reynolds to coach the team which pisses ed louder off a little bit but when Burt Reynolds is like, oh, I just want to do my time and get it over with, what he ends up proposing is a game between that semi-pro team called the Guardsmen and a team composed of inmates. The great thing about this is there is a game at the end. It is about 45 minutes in length, but this game in this film was actually played. The game played. in the longer short is right. an actual... They cast... It wasn't state. Okay. They cast 
Burt Reynolds was a former college football player, could have gone pro, chose to become an actor. But did he play pro at one time, didn't he? I don't think he ever played pro. I know that he played in Florida State. Okay. But a lot of the people in this film, I mentioned Ray Nitsky, who is this legendary, <laughs> legendary defenseman for the Green Bay Packers. He's one of the other major villains in the film. There are a whole crapload of famous football stars of the time in this film. Because of that, it feels like a real game. Well, I've seen The Longest Short a couple mm-hmm. of times because I like Burt Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I just think he's a highly underrated actor. He's a lazy actor, but when he really acts, like in this movie, yes, he does. He's yeah. good. He's authentic in this movie. The football scenes is authentic. Right. I love the football scenes, even though I'm not a major football fan. I love the setup. I love the whole thing. It makes sense the way it right. sets it up. The game between the guards and the inmates. Right. It's just an excellent movie. It's one of those movies that I say is one of the 25 movies that unless you've seen it, you can't say you're a movie fan. And there's some great, I'll go that far. There's some yeah. great little bits by actors who've gone on. To like, for example, Richard Keel. Jaws. And Jaws. James Bond movie, yeah. This was one of his first films. It's funny because we think of Richard Keel, we think of Jaws, we think of this Jaws. menacing Jaws character. Jaws movie. And yeah. even though he's a menacing character in, in this film... He's got this delicate side to him. Mm-hmm. It's just some great stuff. It's one of these 70s films, so it's... And this is something that I like, but a lot of people might not like. In fact, it's one of the reasons why I think the remake kind of botched it, which is that it's very ambiguous. It's funny, but it's not a comedy. In that you have some humorous bits where he's throwing mud at a fellow inmate who's causing him problems, and they get into a mud well, fight. Well, as long as Yard has some humorous bits yeah. in it, it's not a comedy, but it does have humorous bits in it. But then you have the character caretaker who is murdered halfway through. Yeah, I mean, and that was but then again, like me, you was talking mm-hmm. on the phone. As I've said before, folks, what you're really listening to when you listen to these shows you listen to really conversations me and Tom have on the phone a lot of times. We talk on the phone three or four hours, and what we're talking about is 70s movies and how they mm-hmm. were so dark and right. ambiguous, and they weren't scared to do things like And this is a good example yeah, of I mean, it. The Longest Yard, there's funny parts right. in it, but it's not a comedy. They spend a lot of time setting up this character caretaker, giving him this really warm friendship yeah, with Burt yeah. Reynolds, and then they kill him. Right. In a horrific way. Oh, man. A truly horrific yeah, way. Yeah, it just, like, and you say, well, wow. And yeah. even the ending of this film, which it's set up to look like a happy ending, it's really not. Burt Reynolds accomplishes a goal, but at the risk of making his life hell. The only thing that you can say is that he and the Ed Lauder character gain a little bit of a respect for each other, but that's it. He's actually going to a worse situation than he came yeah. into. Yeah. You can see why they considerably lighten it up. Yeah. In the remake, because I don't think today's audiences would have went for the, well, the, the ending things, in yeah. the original. Mm-hmm. Although I don't know, because I like the remake too. The I remake do. It's not a bad film. I, I, I like I, the remake. Is it as good as the first one? No, of course not. But it's a different it's animal. Louder, it's more obvious in many cases. There's like a whole thing in the original. There's this little thing where they have these cheerleaders. And then it's mentioned casually during the course of the game that these are transvestites. Yeah, you got uh, what's the Tracy uh, Walters, Tracy, you know, from Thirty Rock. But I think it's good in the fact that at least somebody say, "Let's go reach out to Burt Reynolds mm-hmm. and bring him into the project." Yeah, and Burt Reynolds he plays a role that's not a parody 
of the role you played before. It's right. a homage. Basically, plays the role of the other mentor character. Exactly. It's kind of right. like a nice passing. It's torch. a nice homage kind right. of thing. Exactly. I'm glad that they didn't make him. It's Burt Reynolds. We stuck him in yeah. here because he was in the first. The one. only two things I think that the remake really botched up. One was they made it more of a comedy, and then Chris Rock dies. I was surprised they went through with the killing of Chris Rock. You know you guys to put a spoiler in this one, right? Come on, the remake has been, what, two, three years? If you guys haven't seen it after two or three years, you're on your own, okay? Cool, go ahead. There you go. Uh, <laughs> go and ahead. the other thing was, even though they took the time to cast real football players like Goldberg, who was an Atlanta Falcon, like Kevin Nash, who wasn't a football player but was a basketball player, they did the same thing that the original did, game... Because they go through a lot of MTV goofy shock cuts and edits, and it's all loud with with Nelly music, mm-hmm. it doesn't work as well, I think, as a game as much as the game in the first one does. If you wanted to see the remake, that's cool because it's a decent film in and of itself. It's just not up to the standards of the original. No, it's not. And we're not saying that the remake is a bad movie at all. No, it's not. And as a matter of fact, I like Adam Sandler when he does movies like yeah. that mm-hmm. or Punch Drunk Love right. better than his so-called comedies. Adam Sandler, he's a Jets friend like myself. It's funny if you look at all of his work, he finds some way to work some sort of football angle into it. Yeah. Go ahead and watch this one and watch the remake if you want to. And now what's your first choice? We're going to go to a movie that came out in 2004. Recently, yes. It's a weird movie for me because it's Friday Night Lights. And I'm not directed by Peter Burke, who also directed a favorite recent thriller of ours, The Rundown. He's a wonderful actor. I saw him, he was talking about the directing of this movie and The Rundown on the show on Independent Film Mm -hmm. Channel. Right. Called Dinner for five that was hosted by John Favreau. John Favreau does this show where they, mm-hmm. he has five different actors, directors, whatever. And he even had Stan Lee on there one time. He directed this movie. I watched this movie because I didn't have anything else to watch on my TV. Right. And I watched it and I sat down and it's a movie about a small town team, Odessa, Texas. Texas is the cradle of a football civilization. Yeah. It's insane for football. I found this out later after yeah. I watched it. I can understand the complexities of Star Trek Techno Babble or give me the pre-crisis DC Comics continuity. I can figure that out. The rules of football I cannot figure out. That's not the point of this movie. The point of this movie is the impact on this one little town. Billy Bob Thornton. Right. He plays the coach. He can't go to the store to shop without people saying, well, coach, are we going to state? Are we going to state? Are we going to state? And it's a constant, constant thing. There's pressure on him to bring a state championship to this little town because of the economic impact it will bring to it. Right. It's a lot of other things that's going on. It, the, the movie is not really about football. You center on these kids. There's one kid, there's a black kid that's played by, let me look at my notes here. Yes, folks, I'm looking at notes. He's looking at this kid. Booby. Did you see the movie? I have not seen the movie yet. Okay. Well, there's a kid named Booby. What happens is that he's injured. He goes, gets an MRI, and then he gets checked out. It's an injury that won't let him play football. Right. But he accuses the doctor, oh, well, you're just doing this so the other team will win. And him and his uncle... 
keep it a secret from the team and the coach and everybody else so that he'll keep playing. But it's an injury that is really detrimental to his health. The whole movie goes on with all this thing. There's a character that's played by Tim McGraw. His son played football. And he's a guy that's never really gotten past the fact that he was a high school football star. Mm -hmm. And he wants his son to follow in his footsteps. So he kind of puts that pressure on him. And he becomes like an alcoholic, really. Kind of, yeah, a rah, rah, rah. But the whole, sad people who, if they didn't have their past, they have nowhere to live. You got it, Tom. The whole town is like that. Mm -hmm. When these guys have a town, they build a stadium that's like Yankee Stadium. Right. And then you see a scene where they have the town elders, and it's all about that the town has to have any money. Yeah, you don't have any money because you bought this, but then again, it goes back to the fact that football is so important to them, mm. and that these kids really have no way to get out of this town unless they get a football right. scholarship. On that basis, to me, it's a really good movie, outside of the football scenes, which to me, not being a football person, look authentic. They look more authentic than another movie that you and I talked about. Any, Any Given, given Sunday. Sunday where everybody was getting teeth and eyes knocked out of every play. This is really authentic. That's my pick for a really excellent sports movie if you haven't mm -hmm. seen it. For some reason, college football doesn't have the appeal to me that the pros do, so I usually don't. It sounds like it's more about a microcosm of how one item can unify and also, I guess, destroy a community. I, okay, I know you're a football fan. Yes. So for you, it's all about the plays mm. and how the actual game is executed right. on screen. For me, it's more about how football impacted on the other people around it. Like right. there's a good scene where Billy Bob Thornton is talking to his wife. Right. And she tells him quite seriously, let's move to Alaska. Because there, people don't care about football. Right. Her whole married life with this man has been about moving from one college team to another. That's what her life, and she's sick of it. The thing with the town, like I said, Billy Bob Thornton, he goes out of his house, and there's people out there, are we going to stay? Are we going to stay? Are we going to stay? Because that's the thing with these people. Don't get me wrong, the actual football right. scenes are very good, and I like them. These are guys are like 16, 17, 18, right. 19. They should not have this kind of pressure on them mm -hmm. that this town puts on them to succeed and win. These are guys that are old men before their time. They can't enjoy being young because the town puts all this pressure on them. That's it. I mean, it, it's a remarkable movie. I really like it a lot, and I recommend anybody. And as a matter of fact, there are some people that have emailed me, because I wrote a review of it on my live journal, no, I'm not going to tell you where it's at. Google it and you'll find it. Find it yourself. I have some people that told me that that's exactly what it's like. Mm -hmm. Now, me. did you see any of the, the episodes of the TV show? That no. Spun off? Okay. No, I didn't want... You know why? Because I didn't want to spoil my movie the going. The experience. Yeah, okay. because I loved the movie for what it was, mm -hmm. and I didn't need any more than that. No, I haven't watched... And don't email me and tell me, Yeah, well, Derek, you got to watch it on Friday. No. I have enough TV shows right. I'm watching that I don't need anymore. Thank you very much. And so now we're going to go back to Tom. Funny, we talked about a film about a community and how it was invested totally in a particular sports team because next up, also a 70s film. Whoa! The Immortal Slapshot. And no, I did not see the brief TV show that spun out of this either. 
There was a TV there show? There was a TV show. Less three episodes. Really? The only actors who carried over were the actors who played the Hanson brothers. Okay. Big I, shock, right? I had no idea. This is a film about a minor league hockey team, the Charleston's Chiefs. This was actually based on a series of articles written by Nancy Davis about a... They were called the Jonesville Jets. Oh. The Upper New York State minor league team. Many of the people who are on this team are in this movie. The Charleston Chiefs is a down-on-its-luck team. It is falling apart. The owner, played by the great Strother Martin, is... Wonderful actor. ...already selling... In fact, there's one scene where he gets a phone call in his office, and it's one of his equipment suppliers. He says, oh, no, I want to cancel that order. I don't want that order anymore. In fact, I'm looking to sell off some of the equipment we have here. Mm Mm-hmm. He knows that the owner is planning on closing down the team. Okay. This is their last season. But the manager, played by Paul Newman, in a role that I know that he desperately wanted to play because he feels like he's given it his all in this film. Yeah. He has this idea that if he puts together a winning season, he can sell it to a consortium in Jacksonville, Florida, that's looking to buy a hockey team. His solution as to how to do this... Amp up the violence. <laughs> they get a... Hit them in the nuts. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. Kick oh. them in the nuts. They get the Hanson brothers, these notorious goons from Canada, who are played by actual hockey players who were on the Johnsville Jets. And they're totally hilarious. That's part of the reason why this film has become a cult film, because they're just totally weird. Oh, yeah, yeah. Playing with their slot cars and throwing them at each oh, other. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like every time... Paul Newman says something, it's like, okay, coach, yeah, that's good, uh, yeah. This <laughs> is like one of those movies that you watch and you say, first of all, when I saw it, yeah. the first time I, I remember, what is Paul Newman doing in this movie? Well, he, he loves hockey, and he believed in the project enough. That he was the person that put his star power behind it. And a lot of people, well, they look at it now, and they yeah. say, okay, well, it seems kind of tame, but back then, for the violence oh, and the yeah. language, it was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. People went to see it. Just because of the language and the violence. The language. Let's not forget the lesbian undertones in some yeah, cases. Uh-huh. Remember there's that scene yeah. where he's sleeping with Yeah. The, I mean, the a lot of wife. people went to see Slapshot just for that yeah. Yeah, alone when it first came out. The town that they're in, Charleston, it's a mining town. The mines are closing down. People are getting laid off. When we first see the place, it's gray and it's dank and it's just really an unpleasant place to be. Once they start beating the crap out of the other team and winning, the town starts looking sunnier and brighter, mm. and everybody gets behind it. But the thing is, the townspeople start beating each other up <laughs> because they figure that's the way to handle things. Eventually, Paul Newman tracks down the owner. I can see why this movie appeals to you. Who is this society matron? And pitches this idea of selling it to Jacksonville, and is told straight out, you could make more money to just shut down the team and write it off as a tax loss. So he has to come to the decision. Do I want to be a goon? Mm. And he says, I'm not going to be a goon. We're going to play it old school. We're going to play it right. Right. Just at the time that during the championships when the Syracuse team, mm-hmm. who he humiliated okay. earlier in the film by, among other things, yelling at the star goalie that his wife's a dyke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your wife eats pussy! So what they do is they end up getting every legendary madman they could find and reinstates them, including like oh God. this one Indian guy who apparently hasn't skated since the 60s. Once again, it's another one of films like The Longest Yard, which is funny, 
but it's not a comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. very grim at points. And folks, there's a difference between a comedy and a movie that's fun. Right. There's a situation, this kind of like sort of relationship that Paul Newman has with the wife of his star defenseman, who's played by Lindsay Krauss, and what I think may have been her first film role. Which is kind of weird and kind of dark because she's like almost self-destructive. She, you know, she's drinking constantly. There's also this bittersweet relationship she has with his ex-wife, who he, he can't bear to divorce. Meanwhile, she has moved on so far. She's in the, practically in another state. You might think it's a little bit on the long side. It's over two hours. It's a great film, and you should see it. Absolutely, no problem. It's back to me now. I guess it's back to you. Yes. For my second movie, what I'm going to talk about is a movie called The Great White Hope. James Earl Jones. With James Earl Jones and Jane Alexander. It's a 1970s movie. And it's loosely based on the life of Jack Johnson. The infamous boxer from the, I think it was like from the teens. It started out as a play, actually. They turned it into a movie in 1970. It's heavily fictionalized. But it was basically the life story of Jack Johnson. But in the movie, he's called Jack Jefferson. I've seen footage of Johnson fighting. They've unearthed a whole bunch of new footage. Well, I have a documentary okay, that yeah. I'll be more than happy to mm-hmm. let you hold that, that was done like a year ago. This is what I saw. Yeah, that they did, and it's a remarkable thing. I mean, I've known about him, and I read about him, but he was a guy that did not play by the rules. Right. He broke all kind of conventions. This movie with James Earl Jones, which is probably James Earl Jones' breakout role. Mm-hmm. Most people know him now. Is that they say, well, he's the voice of Darth Vader. Right. James Earl Jones was no... He was in my the, favorite film of he, all time. What's that? Doctor Strangelove. Yeah. He's done a lot of other things. Again, like Friday Night I like the movie because of the realistic portrayal of the sport. Right. But also, what they do is that they show the life outside of the ring of the man. Because he had a very open relationship with a white woman. Mm-hmm. Played by the wonderful Jane Alexander. He was castrated for that. He had to move to Mexico, basically get out from under... He he had to go overseas. He had Mm -hmm. to go to Europe to box. And he he had to go to Mexico. The boxing scenes, you're going to look at it and you're going to say, well, compared to something like the Rocky movies... Or Raging Bull. Or Raging Bull. They're really not anything to talk about. But for the time period that we're talking about, the early 20s, you know, where guys basically fought bare nothing. It is a realistic depiction of what happened. And you got to remember, these guys fought for 22, 25, 30, 40, 50 rounds. Basically, they fought until one guy couldn't fight anymore. It wasn't an unusual thing for a boxing match to go on all day because that's what it was back in the day. And for a black man to be able to stand up and do this type of stuff, it was unheard of. And white people were incensed. It was like a thing. If they could have lynched him, <laughs> they would have. Right. But the thing was that they couldn't because he beat everybody he put against him. And you had white champions that wouldn't fight him because they were scared. The movie, The Great White Hope, is an excellent movie because of the portrayals of Jack Johnson by uh, James Earl Jones. Oh. Because he's just such a wonderful actor. And Jane Alexander. Jane Alexander is beautiful. I mean, she's sort of semi-retired, people forget, because she's now devoted to the National Council for the Arts. How accomplished an actress she was. And it's a movie that when people talk about sports movies, they never mention. 
They really don't mm-hmm. because I guess it's considered more of a drama than a sports movie. But I like it for the fact that it's a look behind the people, right. which is a theme that I had with my first movie, right. which is what really draws me into it. Somebody like you, mm-hmm. you want to see the exact picture of the sport, right. and you say, oh, the football, okay, that's how it's supposed to be. But I like seeing the lies behind the people mm-hmm. behind the sport, and that's why I like The Great White Hope, and I recommend it to all of you guys. Spend the rental fee. It's not going to cost you that right. much. Go see the great while if for nothing else than the extraordinary performance of James Earl Jones and Jane Alexander right I'm going to throw it back to my partner Tom well once again you bring up something with the theme about interpersonal relationships and my last film <laughs> is also about there's not a lot of baseball in this film which is Bull Durham no this is not Ron yeah. Shelton 1988 I think this was Ron Shelton's breakaway film because he had not done... I all. think he had made Cobb before that. Yeah. Didn't he made Cobb? He might have made it. Have, have you ever yet. seen Cobb? I have not seen Cobb. The one with Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. I got a videotape. I'll let, okay. you hold. I'll let you take it home with you. That's a great movie, mm-hmm. too. We had another two hours. I would have right. thrown that in there. The thing about baseball, probably more than any other sport, is it is probably the most superstitious sport of all. Every sport has its superstition. In hockey, there's what they call the, the Stanley Cup beard. Mm-hmm. Where if you think that your team is going to the playoffs, you don't shave. Yeah. Until you're sure you're going to the playoffs. Okay. There's, of course, the Madden curse in football. None of them but in stand base- a candle to the psychotic... But in baseball, you have players that actually... You have a pitcher mm-hmm. that will pitch uh, no-hitter, and he'll wear that same underwear. He won't wash it. He'll wear it every time he gets back on the mound. And this is, I think, a wonderful depiction of that side of the game. So there's not a lot of baseball. This is about a an actual minor league team, the Durham Hill Bulls in North Carolina. They have this prospect played by Tim Robbins. I think this is the film where Tim Robbins and Susan Sarandon first met. Actually. Yeah. And they know that this guy is a major league prospect. But he's lazy, he gets drunk all the time, he's undisciplined. So they trade for Mr. Crash Ryan, played by Kevin Costner, to basically mentor him. Now, while this is going on, we have the the, the point of view character of the film is Annie Savoy, played by Susan Sarandon. She's a professor of English literature. She's a hoochie. And she's a baseball hoochie. Yes. Because she she sleeps with the most prospective member of every team that year. She even has a hoochie apprentice. She decides it's either Crash or this young pitcher. Lalouche. That's his name, Lalouche. And she has to decide. It's all about this interrelationship between these three characters. But what I love about this film as a sports film is it really gets into the whole idea of the superstition. Crash yeah. is given this near-mythic status by the other Bulls because he's been to the show, which is, of course, the major leagues. He was there for, I think it was like the space of about a week, and they sent him back down. But because he has that pedigree, he's looked upon as something special. We see all these different um, superstitions, like there's the one guy who's, why practice Santorea? He's not hitting, so he's doing a Santorea... You want to know what, to me, is the best scene in that movie? Which one? In a real one. Remember, they have a scene where something happens, and Tim Robbins, he's on the mound. So then Kevin Costner comes out and talks mm-hmm. to him, and then another player comes out and talks yeah. to him. And, and ends up they're talking about where to go out for dinner. Yeah. And okay, then, guys. You know, and they're not talking about baseball, because, see, me as a baseball fan, I'm like, well, 
point. They must be talking about strategy. Right. No, they're talking about well, when he's going out to dinner. Is, that's what the other team is thinking. This is why I compared baseball to chess. Uh-huh. Because chess is not just played on the board. It's played, it's in, the played head. In, the yeah, head. in the head. It's played in the head, yeah. In that case, it's a very accurate portrayal of what baseball is like. It really is. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Why is the movie called Bull Durham? I have no idea. Nobody's was, been ever been able to explain this to me. I Why? thought it was some sort of play on the name of the team. It's an actual team, and it existed before the film, and it exists still to this day. You're right, it doesn't have really anything to do with the, the film. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if there are some people who are not exactly very smart who think that Kevin Costner's called Bull Durham in the film. I remember when I first saw it, I figured yeah. his character, I said, oh well, his character's called Bull Durham. No, there's nobody called Bull Durham. The name of the team is the Durham Bulls. I mean, it doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the film, but why was it named that? The other thing that I like about this film is that it is a great depiction of how hard it is to give something like baseball up. Because you've got Kevin Costner, who knows he's done for. There's no way. He's not going back to the show. There's some talk with the manager played by Robert Wool that they see some... uh, upper management potential in him and maybe he could manage one of the, uh, the other teams in the league yeah but but he can't let it go yeah even when he's cut he drives halfway up the country on the offhand chance they need a catcher for another team baseball what we talk about it's America's pastime mm. it really is my father when he was younger played on three or four different minor league teams right everybody there are very few people I know who don't like baseball it's just a wonderful sport. And that movie that you put, it's a very good... It's a on, movie... On yeah. all the things yeah. that you named, and also the groupie mentality, right. and the Susan Sarandon thing. It's group- not so much a film about baseball as it is about the culture of baseball. Exactly. And it's a great capturing of that essence. I think so, too. I, I watch it on that basis. Mm, right. Because... It's about the whole mythology and psychology. Because the Susan Sarandon character, it's her whole thing is that if she sleeps with right. whoever is the most brought, yeah, right. and she, she will help the team she win. She has yeah. this self-image of herself has almost like a muse. Yeah. When, in fact, it's probably something a lot torturier than, than she thinks it is. And a few people are just bored by the baseball. It's a nice love story, too. I guess the chicks out there yeah. will appreciate that. So we're going to go into the last, last movie. That one. Gonna, and the last movie that we're going to go into is actually one that both me and Tom like. It was because I originally had chosen this as one of my three before I decided to go with Slapshot. I did not know which, that you had chosen it as well. And you know why today. I chose it? Because the two movies I chose as my sports movies were such downers that I wanted to do something that was a little bit more upbeat. It is the 2004 movie starring Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller, and Rip Torn, Dodgeball! If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball! <laughs> First of all, when I was a kid, we played dodgeball. Oh, every everybody, day, played dodgeball. everybody played dodgeball. Everybody played It was dodgeball. like the default thing you did when the coach was hung over. This movie, the main thing about it is that they treat dodgeball... As a legitimate right. sport <laughs> with ESPN coverage. That's and one of the, the best conceits about this film is the Ocho. Some of you guys may not have been around when ESPN first started. ESPN was a 24-hour network that had no idea what to put on 24 hours on a day. On 24 hours a day. So in the early days, you had tractor pulls. The AWA had an hour-long daily wrestling show right. when ESPN first started. So it was just any old crap would go on there. 
Well, let me set up this movie for you. Okay. First of all, we've got Vince Vaughn, who is the owner of a rundown, beatdown, scrungy gym. And across the street is Ben Stiller, who runs one of these crunch types of... White Goodman. Yeah, he, yes. and, and he runs like the, one of these high-tech mm-hmm. type of things. we got your personal trainer. Right. Vince Vaughn, his gym is more like the old-school right. type, where you, you got to do stuff yourself with no right. personal trainer. Eventually, the plot works out so that Ben Stiller is going to take over the property that In fact, Vince Vaughn... an accountant played by Mrs. Ben Stiller to assess the property. What it comes down to... Taylor, that's her name. See, what it comes down to eventually, which is really all you got to know about the movie, a dodgeball tournament <laughs> in Las Vegas. Double that, elimination that, tournament. That is hosted by Chuck Norris. And Vince Vaughn's crew yes. of losers got to go up against Ben Stiller's crew of cut buff. The purple cobra. Oh, man. And they... And, so they got to beat all these other teams. I look at this movie and I fall out on the floor every single time I watch it. The average Joe's, the, the Vince Vaughn team, does have a secret weapon in Rip Torn as old Patches O'Hulahan. <laughs> who is the dodgeball champion of like, since like, 19, like 50 years ago. And, years ago. and then they show this like old school black and white scratchy photo with Hank Azazia playing Patches. Going like, was it, was it the five D's of dodgeball? Dodge, dip, duck, and dodge. <laughs> and what's the thing that he throws at Yes. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a If you can dodge a car. Yes, he said. They send. Oh, yeah. Stephen yeah, Root. Yeah. They send Stephen Root, Root into traffic. Oh, Stephen Root is phenomenal in this movie. I watched this movie, and I have it on DVD. I was looking for it because I wanted to watch mm-hmm. it before. I did this episode, folks, and I have it, but for some reason it won't play on my computer, it won't yeah. play on my Xbox. That mo- and Vince Vaughn, it wasn't until the third time that I watched it, I figured out what Vince Vaughn was doing because he was so laid back and so restrained. Mm-hmm. He was playing Bill Murray because 20 years ago, this would have been mm-hmm. a Bill Murray movie. Watch it again because it's not Vince Vaughn like you used to see him doing. And I just love this whole alternate world they posit of ESPN 8. The Dodgeball <laughs> League has its own chancellor played by William yes. Shatner. William Shatner, of all people, I mean, carrying around this staff with a big dodgeball oh attached to God, it. Oh my God, is dodgeball taken to the extreme? And Gary Cole and Jason Bateman has the announced team. Yeah, and like Jason Bateman is supposed to be the has been star. Oh my! And he's God. sitting there with a dodgeball tattoo on his neck, going, "Well, the whole." point of the game is to dodge the ball. <laughs> dodge the ball! The yes! obvious crap! But that's what makes the movie so funny is because dodgeball is the simplest game right. in the world. You throw the ball, you dodge that's it. Right. They got sponsors, they've got teams with all different motifs. Right. They have the one that... The did, lumberjacks, the... And then they have the scene where they got the wrong uniform. Right. And they have to dress up in the fetish right. gear. There's like a little neat easter egg for those of you who are long-term fans of Ben Stiller. The character of White Goodman was a character he played on his TV show back in 92. He played him in a couple of sketches, but it's the same exact character, which cracks which me is, up. Which is the episode we're going to have to do one day, because I know you're such a big fan oh, of yeah. Ben Stiller. Well, the thing about Ben Stiller is he's, once again, he's one of these people like with Rob Zombie. You know what? When he's funny, yeah. he's funny. When he's not, he's oh, not. it's dreadful. Like, it's Starsky and Hutch. Right. He was not funny. 
In that in one. this one, he is incredibly funny. But in this one, Dodgeball, I fall on the floor every time I put on Dodgeball. And I would be remiss in not mentioning my favorite character in this film, the one, the only Steve the Pirate. Oh, yeah. Arr. He has... There's no reason for him to be a pirate. <laughs> he just is Steve the Pirate. They call him Steve the Pirate. And, it is that and he gives up being a pirate at one point, but then he goes... And then, and then, and then and they're all having the conversation, and the one guy goes, Who's Steve the Pirate? <laughs> you know, red-headed guy. Dressed like a pirate? Dressed like a pirate? Because, because in the first scene in the movie... He goes. He's working out. He's working out yeah. in his pirate gear yes. with the, the bandana and the. And this one, hey, I do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pumping my ass. Yeah. And oh, know. by the way, I haven't been able to come up with the booty. Oh, do you, mind, do you mind if Steve slides a bit on his? If you want a good laugh, take it from me. If you haven't seen a red red dodgeball, and oh. yes. You may be saying, well, Dirk, you're kind of stretching it here because it's really common, not a sports movie. But I, I consider it a sports movie. I consider it a sports movie. Because of the serious way that they treat it when they go to Las Vegas and they have dodgeball tournament. The way I approach it is the way I approach somebody. Because every couple of years you get like, somebody trying to revive roller derby. Yeah, right. Or do you remember back in, I think it was like the early 90s roller games? They always try to pretty it up with all these different elaborate weird ass rules to try to make it into a legitimate sport yeah. and it always fails and that's how I looked upon Dodgeball as a movie about one of these minor yeah, leagues yeah right yeah. and it's just it's just oh, but it's beautiful we have to wrap up this episode yes. right now but if you're in a sports mood Please go and ahead. These films. Yeah, Tom, you had the to longest review, yard yeah, to review yeah, the original review. version of the longest yard. Although the the remake is not that terrible either. Okay. Slapshot with Paul Newman. With Paul Newman, I'm surprised they never tried to remake this because it's the kind of cult thing you can see Michael Bay's organization trying to remake. Yeah. And finally, Bull Durham. Okay. And you had. And for my three, I had the Great White Hope. Which was a boxing movie, a thinly veiled version of the life of the great Jack Johnson, starring James Earl Jones and Jane Alexander. I also had Friday Night Lights, the excellent, excellent movie about small town high school football with Billy Bob Thornton. Both me and Tom both hardly recommend. If you're in the mood for a good laugh this weekend, Go rent Dodgeball mm-hmm. with Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller. I'll tell you. That all, those, all those Will Ferrell movies like Caledonia oh. Knights, Blades of Steel and all that. Leave them. Leave them. Leave them. No. Dodgeball is the Dodgeball. 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 Oh, yeah. But for right now, I'm Derek Ferguson. Well, first, before we do that. Oh, what do we got to do? We got to do first off, we want to remind people, if you loved or hated or were different oh, to this episode, yeah, go ahead and do your thing. write us an email at betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Or you could leave a comment on our Podomatic page, which is betterinthedark.podomatic.com. Or you can join our Yahoo group, which is, let's see if I can remember this again, and yes, movies.com. Yahoo.com backslash groups backslash better in the dark. We're growing slowly but steadily there. There is a approval process that's just to get the spam bots out of the way. And also we want to mention that this episode was produced by Mr. Russ Anderson. 
who who used our PayPal link. Although we have to still figure out the uh, logistics of that, but we're gonna get we're gonna have a PayPal link that you can actually donate money to if you wanted to donate money to us. Now I guess we can say that. I guess that's it, right? Yep. Okay, so, so now we can tell the people go see that movie. Yeah. Well, I guess we can do that. Well. Any of these movies. Go see any of these movies and get your sport on. Okay, one, two, three. three. Go, Go see, see that, that movie. movie. And the Boston Red Sox are the world champions. For the first time in six years, the Red Sox have won baseball world championship. Can you believe it? Tessie but remember, dodgeball is a sport of violence, explosion, and degradation. So, when you're picking players in gym class, remember to pick the bigger longer kids for your team. That way, you can all gang up on the weaker ones. You've been listening to Better in the Dark, featuring Thomas E.J. and Derek Burks. Special thanks go out to Chris and Janet, the Amazing Spidercast, Tim at Contrast Podcast, Eric and Kelly at Podcrawlers, the Geek Savants, and the members of the Better in the Dark Yahoo group at movies.groups.yahoo.com backslash group backslash Better in the Dark. Better in the Dark is able to dodge a wrench, but... God damn it, we're having trouble dodging a ball. Previous episodes for the show can be downloaded from betterinthedark.podomatic.com. Send all comments, praise, hate mail, and pipe bombs to betterinthedark at gmail.com. That's better, the letter N, the dark at gmail.com. Please vote for us on Podcast Alley. Better in the Dark is a Conspiracy Productions presentation. All material, copyright, Thomas DJ, and Derek Ferguson. Until next time, remember that you've got to be a football hero if you want... No, wait, you gotta be a good-looking guy to get all the beautiful guys. Or whatever. Minute ball, get out of here in a hurry. If anything travels that far, I'd have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think?